everybody. Welcome to episode 56 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. Joined, as always, by the kingpin of the track wrestling rankings, David Mercatani. Welcome back, David. How are you doing, Andy? Everything good? Yeah, it's great, David. How about yourself? It's good. We're we're in the middle of wrestling season, so uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. A lot of lot of crazy results this weekend, and uh, a lot of help from you in putting all the rankings together. And we had some sort of seismic changes at the top. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned we're at the start of the wrestling season. I had a buddy that uh, was high school head coach up in northwestern Iowa. He sent me a Snapchat the other day. He says, uh, it's wrestling season, you know, on the first day of the season. And I responded, it's been wrestling season for me since July of 2016. <laughs> you know, it never stops, and I'm okay with that. So Yeah, when you do what you do or when I coach for years, like, you just change as you go from coaching all the time to recruiting to, you know, house visits. And, you know, for you, it's just whether you're writing about freestyle or Greco or men's or women's or college. Or high school, but yeah, the season never really stops for for guys in those roles, for sure. It's been a blast. I'm okay with wrestling season never ending, and and you know, it being on an infinite loop. So. Well, you're you're a wrestling junkie, and you know, for a guy that didn't grow up, you know, wrestling as knee high to a grasshopper like a lot of us, it's it's your enthusiasm level for it, and your perspective on it's a little different because you you look at it so much from the big picture. So much, many of us. We're like, okay, we're on this team or we're coaching this team or trying to win this state medal, and it's very myopic. And, you know, you have this really good 50,000-foot view, and you see a lot more of the angles that a lot of us do that kind of grew up the opposite way. So it's been – your perspective is really, really enlightening. Well, David, as you mentioned, we've got some changes in the track wrestling rankings this week. A lot of turnover at the top, I mean, starting with uh, a new number one. You know, yeah. Ohio State taking over at the number one spot, Penn State sliding to number two. Uh, that's interesting. Um, Rutgers and Northern Iowa coming into the top ten for the first time uh, during the two years that we've had track wrestling rankings. Anything else that, uh, you know, just from a bullet point standpoint before we take a deep dive into the rankings, anything else really stick out to you? No, but people should know, and I, if – you know, if you're new to the show listening, we don't really do team rankings. We do our best to do 10 individual rankings and add them up. And you help me a lot with the individual ones, and then you let me go get out my abacus and add them all up. And I called you. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, Penn State and Ohio State flip-flop. And I, I guess the best thing I can say is I never thought about it, you know, like, we're not in any way trying to influence the team race, and uh, we'll talk about where the changes were that happened, but it, it, it was surprising to me. I didn't see that coming, um, but I guess maybe because I was just so entrenched in each of those 10 weight classes, I wasn't looking at, you know, how that would affect things overall. Well, and, you know, looking at it from last week's standpoint, it was five and a half points. It was the difference between Penn State number one and Ohio State number two, and that's as simple as one guy moving out of, of the top eight or one guy moving up yeah. a couple notches yeah. in the top eight. You're right. Oh so, yeah. Anything else you want to get to David before we take a deep dive into these rankings? Now nah, let's get into it. Well, before we do that, we have to 
give a shout out to our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, uh, in taking a look at what went on this week at 125 pounds, um, not a ton of earth-shattering stuff, uh, but yeah, Drew Matten of Michigan, true freshman, and we don't have him in the top 25 yet, but uh, there will certainly be a place for him should uh, Michigan decide to pull him out of red shirts. Uh, he had a big tournament, Eastern Michigan Open, won the tournament there. Yeah. Uh, with with a win over Sean Russell, uh, that's uh, significant. Yeah. yeah, that's a heck of a win to start off. He beat, also beat Brock Hudkins there in the finals. So a heck of a tournament for Drew Matten, and that's uh, one that uh, David, as you look at uh, some moves that some of the contenders can make down the road to to fortify their rosters, fortify their starting lineups. That that's certainly the one play in my mind that Michigan can make. It's so funny because, you know, we didn't compare our notes. And literally at 25, that was my note. Like, they got to go for it, right? Like, this is – you have to go for it when you're this close. Um, you know, Michigan hasn't won a team trophy in a long time. Certainly it feels like Penn State, Ohio State, in any order you put them are on a tier. And then Michigan feels like they're on a tier with Oklahoma State. But you got some really good schools nipping at their heels, Missouri, Arizona State, NC State, Iowa, especially if, if Downey and Spencer Lee come out. And if you got a guy that looks like he could finish six, seven, eight, that's a lot of points. I mean, six, eight, ten points is a big difference. So yeah, I, I and I think they will. I mean, I have no I have no inside knowledge and talk to anybody in Michigan, but I think and they're a pretty young team, but, you know, they got Kuhn this year and they don't have him for any longer. So it feels – and the same thing with Beasley. So I think they kind of got to they kind of got to go for it this year with him and, and try to get in that top three or four. Well, they certainly haven't been bashful about using true freshmen in the past. Either. Correct. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the things that I, that I look at there, the track record that they have for, you know, not, not being afraid to throw a true freshman out there and see what they have. Right. Um, so, so that's one thing to keep an eye on moving ahead, David. You know, anything else at 25 that uh, really caught your eye during the, the second week of competition? No, we didn't change anything at the top, but Nick Soriano continues to wrestle really well. And, you, you know, there'll be some matches this weekend. You know, we'll talk about it, but, like, you have a Pichinini Lezak matchup and some things like that. And so, yeah, it's it, – you know, wasn't a lot of change here, but – which was kind of the opposite of week one at this weight, where there was a lot of turmoil. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Moving on to 133 pounds, uh, the big one there that, that shook things up in the top five was just uh, you know, Scott, Scott Parker, Lehigh, scoring that last second, come from behind victory against Cade Brock of Oklahoma State. Those two switch places. Uh, Pretty interesting outcome there, David. I mean, just uh, a match that Cade Brock seemed to have in control until he gave up six in the closing seconds. And I'm sure if 
gave him a chance to have a do-over on that. He probably would have handled that situation differently. But, uh, you know, he gave up take on that. He yeah. gave up an escape at the end of the period before, and it didn't look like it was going to matter. It looked really innocuous. And then it ended up being what prevented that match from going into overtime. He gave up an escape with like six, seven seconds left. And, you know, it kind of – it, there's a lesson to be learned there. Like you got to wrestle to the end of periods because that literally changed his lead from from a six point lead to a five point lead at the end. Uh, it's a weird match. Cade Brock really dominated the match for about six minutes and forty to forty five seconds, and Parker, you know, got behind and and Brock Brock did something like you said he'll never do again, and I've never seen him do before, and really kind of put himself on his back. And uh, I mean, Parker won the match fair and square. It really uh, will be interesting to see the seating because Parker wrestles Misich this weekend, you know, assuming they both wrestle. And if that happens, and if, if Scotty Parker could win that match, I don't think Lehigh sees South Dakota State. You could be talking about, I mean, obviously there's a truckload of wrestling left to wrestle, but you could be looking at where Scotty Parker's really set himself up well in terms of seating for the national tournament. Anything else that uh, moved the needle for you at 133 this week? No, not, nothing really. Montori Bridges came in. Ian Parker came in. And a couple guys asked me about Austin DeSanto, and he looks good. You know, I mean, when he wins, he wins really big, but he lost to Parker. And Parker was one of those guys that we were contemplating on whether he was on the edge or not. So I, I feel like there'll be some some uh, some change here like it you know, like 20 to 25, there's some guys that can move up and move in and all those sort of things for sure. 141 really could be a lot of fun this season, in my opinion. I think we're going to see. <laughs> we said that last of, year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a ton of depth here, and there's, you know, that second, like, wave of people, like after the top eight, when you start looking at, Tyler Smith, Jared Prince, Jack Hathaway, Josh Albert, Brock Zachrell, Javier Gasco third, Ryan Deal, Noah Forrider, Kanan Store, Yanni Diakamahalis. That group right there, I think we're going to see a ton of movement uh, in that in that wave of wrestlers right there throughout the season, and especially with guys like Store and Diakamahalis. Yanni getting off to a great start in his true freshman season, rolling through. Uh, the Bearcat Open with with a win over Nick Lee in the semifinals. Uh, pretty impressive performance, David. Yeah, it's it's weird as a former coach. The first thing I thought was who put who did the brackets where those guys were on the same side. You know why wasn't that the finals match? But yeah, and you talked to Rob Cole, and you know so you got the lowdown on who's eligible and who is it not eligible rather, but who's you know sitting and who isn't. So yeah, Yanni D's a guy. We didn't we didn't rank him week one because we didn't know if he was wrestling. And then, you know, he came right in, like you said, and, and you know, won a tournament. And, you know, it, it was just really hard to kind of figure out where to put him. I mean, that was – it was really a guesstimate, right? You know, like, he's got to be in. The question really is how high. So – and then, again, we'll talk about what's coming up this weekend. But, you know, Bryce Meredith, Chad Red is staring us right in the face. And, and that, that probably will not be a two-to-one match. No. Yeah. No, absolutely not. You know, Bryce Meredith <laughs> – Rarely has a two-to-one match, unless you're talking at the end of the first period to take down an escape, right? Yeah. But, uh, usually, it takes, usually that's a minute in, but, yeah, <laughs> the latest, it's the first period, right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, Yanni, you know, to your point, um, just 
just super dominant this weekend. 20 to 5 in the first round, 3 minute and 10 second fall in the second round, 24 9 in the quarters, 12 7 over Nick Lee, and then a 13 to 4 major in the finals. Really strong performance from him at the Bearcat Open. David, uh, anything else that you want to tackle at 141 before we move on? Luke Karam just seems like a guy who's pretty good to be 24th. He feels like a yeah. guy that could move up too. I mean, you know, it's, that's nothing but a feeling, just, you know, but I feel like he's a guy that could end up moving up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you start talking about what does Penn State do there with Jared Cortez. Uh, he's outside the top 25. Uh, but certainly wouldn't surprise me if, if he popped in there at some point in the near future. And then also, you know, we talk about teams and what they can do to strengthen their lineup. Nick Lee sitting there, and I think he's going to win a lot of matches this year. It just can be interesting to see whether Penn State uh, feels like they need him to put them over the top or whether Cortez can get the job done and, and uh, help solidify uh, those first three weights for the Mandy Lions. Yeah, it's a great point. It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Moving on to 149, some goofy stuff happened this weekend. Troy Heilman <laughs> makes a six-notch climb up to number six. So the senior from North Carolina is sitting there at number six. Gio Martinez, who we had up high in the rankings, in the preseason rankings, and dropped out after uh, losing to teammate Bula Wallen. Uh, now it looks like Martinez is going to be the guy again. He posts a convincing 8-1 win over All-American Solomon Chishko. So Martinez slides back in at number seven, followed by Chishko at eight. And then, uh, you know, those guys, David, trying to figure out where to put those guys is interesting, right? I mean, they – It was a mess, and you were, you were really helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, Gio's going to be the guy till at least a semester, and then, I, then Boo will, will pop back into the picture. So Oklahoma State's got a good problem there. And then, like you said, you know, we decided Heilman beat Geo, Geo beat Chishko, so it goes in that order, which I think is certainly defendable. And then DeLuca from Rutgers had a couple good wins too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and this Nick Monaco from Kent State, who's a guy I wasn't really familiar with, he had some good wins to break into the top 25. So, it's another weight, like like you mentioned Davion Jeffries last week who lost to DeLuca, but we mentioned he's kind of a low-floor, high-ceiling kind of guy. And, like, maybe last weekend was one of his floor weekends. But when you have a guy like Davion Jeffries at 18 and DeLuca at 17, they might be as dangerous as any 17th and 18th-ranked guys at any of the weights in the country. So this, this weight, I mean, clearly it feels like it's Zane and then everyone's down a notch or two, but – you know, the fight for medals here will be really interesting. Moving on to 157, some interesting stuff here, too. Josh Shields, tremendous uh, weekend for the sophomore from Arizona State with a win over – wins over Alec Pantaleo and Micah Jordan of Ohio State. So Shields uh, moves up from 10 to 7. Micah Jordan falls from 5 to 8. Pantaleo falls from 8 to 9. A uh, couple guys that benefited from uh, Jordan's fall. B.J. Clagan of Ryder went up a notch. So did Richie Lewis of Rutgers. So they're sitting at five and six, uh, respectively. David, how about Josh Shields? Yeah, I actually just talked to Lee Pritz last night because he's coming on the show this week. I wanted to have him on after the crazy first weekend that Arizona State had. 
and especially Tanner Hall and Zahid, because not only did they have amazing, you know, dual meet matches, especially Zahid, but they also wrestled in the All-Star Classic. And they're really happy with Shields. And it was not easy to rank Shields at seven. There was kind of an argument. I don't say an argument, but there was a, a point. He could have been as high as five. And maybe four, because Berger hasn't wrestled yet. You know, it's kind of like what they're doing with this college football stuff, like quality wins. Like, you know, he's got really good wins. You know what I mean? Micah and, and Pantaleo back-to-back is, I guess that's the wrong order, but, I mean, you know, those guys on a Friday, Sunday is awfully impressive. I mean, really impressive. And he feels like a guy that's jumped levels. And, you know, Pritz said, well, part of it is he's fighting his fanny off every week with Surtis. You know, so – but a lot of times, guys, when there's a lot of internal pressure just to make the lineup, they fold on the weekends. And this kid's doing the opposite. You know, he's dealing with the pressure during the week and shining on the weekend. And that's that's really impressive on his part. Anything else on your radar, 57? No. Uh, Clayton Ream had a good win over Zilberberg. Uh, and then Luke Weiland, who's a St. Louis kid, he had a couple good wins. Um, his uncle wrestled for my dad and he wrestled in border brawl so it's completely biased but i'm happy to see that he's doing well and cracked the top 25 that's good for him and for army moving on to 165 uh the most notable stuff there uh david the thing that caught my eye more than anything <laughs> Keyshawn campbell I knew, I, knew, I knew that was coming yeah like, what in the world that was one and, and not that he beat valencia but you know to see him put up two touchdowns Right. William was that yeah. was eye popping. Yeah, he got out to a big lead from what I when I talked to Coach Pritz, and I guess they're both really good on top, and it's kind of like whoever gets on top first in that match. And but it does feel like Campbell's, you know, when he came over from from Pitt, right? Like you and I talked about this in the summer or spring, whenever it was it happened. Like he needs to be a guy, right? Like he needs to be a top eight guy. They don't need another guy in the round of 12 to catch Penn State. And he's, he's one of the reasons the team scores changed, right? Because he was yeah. on the outside looking in. Basically that and then Penn State changing their starter at 97 and Kassar losing a match so he's not in the top eight. Th- th- that was the difference. It was 57 as a plus for Ohio State and 97 a minus for Penn State. And like you said, it isn't that he beat him. It's that he absolutely demolished him. And so, you know, you feel like, okay, he's, you know, it's a pretty big margin of error there, right? Like, I mean, now there's some really good guys outside of the medals, and we've talked about this, but, you know, you look at, and now Anthony's at nine, but if you look at nine through 13, it's frightening. Valencia, Marinelli, Austin Matthews, Isaiah White, Chance Marsteller. I mean, in a lot yeah. of years, you'd be like, that's the top five guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's some good dudes there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then McFadden and Rogers had a good match, too. Yeah. So. Boy, it seems like uh, Logan Massa has jumped another level this year, though. Yes. I think he kind of – I think he really was at a great level last year. I think actually yes. just the length of the season kind of caught up to him. It just kind of looked to me like he was tired at the end of the year. You know, and the other thing is – it's really weird when you wrestle all the guys that you're going to wrestle at nationals over and over and over during the season. You know, we wrestle them in a duel. We wrestle them in a tournament. We wrestle them in the Big Ten tournament. Like, 
we had a kid one year that took second at nationals and, and he went two and two with the guy that he beat that he lost to in the finals he beat him lost to him beat him lost to him and we had a pet move that won it one of the matches and i i blame myself we shouldn't have used it we should have saved it for the finals i mean i was actually talking to a coach about that yesterday and so you kind of wonder like do massa and joseph and imar and, and it, just at this weight as an example do they do everything or do they maybe hold one or two things back, a, a hold or a strategy or a position or a technique for when they think they really need it? You know, because sometimes when you win these matches, you don't really win in the long term because you give the guy more film and more things to study and you make him hungrier. I think Logan Mass is really happy to be sitting at number three right now. You know, I, I don't think that bothers him at all. He's the hunter, not the hunted. And he's a guy that could really threaten, you know, which is crazy to say when you have – a freshman as good as Vincenzo, or a guy who was a freshman as good as Vincenzo, and then a guy like Imars that only has lost two matches his whole career. You know, it's a dynamite weight at the top. Yep, yep, absolutely. Moving ahead to 174, nobody, David, in college wrestling is off to a better start than Zahid Valencia. <laughs> what that guy's done and what he did in an eight-day stretch is, is incredible. I mean, he, he packed three marquee wins, a season's worth of marquee wins into – the first eight days of the season. Mark Hall, Miles Amin, and then Bo Jordan. Uh, David, just your, your thoughts on Zahid this year from what you've seen of him. Well, I talk again, talking to Lee, which kind of helps for this, is that, you know, they stayed out there, right? Like, they didn't come home. You know, they went to the Michigan State Open, and they stayed in Michigan. And so th- that kind of really, I think, makes what, what Zahid did even more impressive. You know, that – you know, because, you know, you don't get to sleep in your own bed and you're, you brought your books on the road and you got to be calling your teachers and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the things I said to Pritz was I was really impressed. And you mentioned this. So I kind of stole your line with the courage of Zahid to attack, attack, attack Mark Hall. And he looked a little slower against Amin, but the match with Bo Jordan was just not very close. And there's kind of a goofy penalty point or two in there. But, I mean which made the match closer than it really was, you know? So we know the Mark Hall match doesn't count for seeding purposes. And we know it, you know, obviously counted for us in ranking purposes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens, you know, where if Zahid and Hall are one and two or two and one or if Bo Jordan, it feels like Bo Jordan is going to have a hard time, you know, getting to one now with that loss to Zahid. But I guess obviously anything can happen because they, they, I guess they could wrestle again in a couple of weeks at the Cliff Keen finals, you know, because both those schools are scheduled to be there. So, yeah, that was interesting. And then, again, you look at like 8, 9, 10 here, like a really dangerous guy like Lujan, and then Yuance Mejias feels like he's jumped a level. And Jordan Cutler seems like he's doing really well with, uh, you know, with not killing himself making weight. And Jacoby Smith had some, you know, Jacoby Smith is getting used to full-time D1 wrestling, and he's had some good wins. And kind of, you know, like him and Harvey and Ramos had an A beat B, B beat C, and C beat A kind of thing. But, you know, he's, you know, he pushed Cutler to, you know, really close match as well. So feels like there'll be some, maybe some uh, transitioning or some flip-flopping there, like in that back half of the top eight as well. Yeah, you mentioned Lujan cracking the top eight now, and that's, the difference between Northern Iowa popping into the top 10 or not. So we'll get into the team rankings a little bit more here in a bit, but uh, 
Yeah, that's something, something certainly to keep an eye on when you look at uh, the way that we're, we're having movement in, in and out of the top 10. And we saw it all of last year in like those 9 through 12, 13 spots were so fluid throughout the year. And it, so much of it depends on guys like that are sitting there in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. Which is just like a, how it is at Nationals, right? That blood yeah. round or do or die round. And that's exactly how it should be. And, you know, what people don't really think about is, like, the difference between, like, 8th and 12th isn't much. You know, like, it's the 8th guy could have beat the 12th guy by one second of riding time. You know, so that that's – when you look at the rankings, like, you know, like a Zach Savatsky coming up at 84 is 13th. Well, there's nothing to say he's significantly worse than Jordan Ellingwood, you know, who's at eight. And that's a big difference in the swing of the points if, you know, they were to, you know, wrestle that match and it go the opposite way of the rankings. Just something for people to kind of keep in mind that, like you said, there's a lot of changing. And it's not because we can't make up our mind. It's because the results come in every week and, and, and cause the need for the change. Moving on to 184 pounds, David, uh, no change in the top seven. Uh, Dakota Gear of Edinburgh comes out. He's going to red shirt, or at least that's the way it appears. Uh, Jordan Ellingwood slides up one notch uh, into the top eight. Michael Coleman of Navy, uh, Ricky Robertson of Wisconsin. Uh, those guys move up a little bit as well. Uh, you mentioned Zavatsky there at 13. I think uh, – you know, if there's one guy sitting outside, uh, you know, the top eight or so, it wouldn't surprise you if he cracked the top five, got in there alongside, you know, yeah. guys like Foster yeah. Abinader. I think it's probably Zabaski based on the track record that he's had. Uh, Max Dean making a nice move there from 23 up to 16. David, what else is on your radar at 184? Those two guys. Those are really the two guys. I was like, you know. They feel like they're the two guys that, you know, because I guess we're going to talk about this in a little bit, like who are the guys you think, you know, can move up for that, that contest we're going to do, and those feel like guys with really high upsides. So, yeah. Going ahead to 197, uh, the top five all remain the same. And this is where, as you mentioned earlier, where Penn State lost some ground to Ohio State in the team rankings with, uh, you know, a week ago we had uh, – Matt McCutcheon in there at number six, and uh, Anthony Kassar takes his place in the starting lineup for the Nittany Lions, drops a match, and falls in line at number 18. So that's where Penn State lost, um, what is that, David? Like that's, you know, an eight-point eight loss there? Yeah, it's significant. Standing. Yeah. Yep. It's really significant. And, and, and we don't know for sure who's going to end up being the starter at the end of the year, and if McCutcheon – comes back in. Like, I remember last year around this time, McCutcheon beat Matty Ace at the Keystone Tournament because, you know, he he had just barely lost to Bo Nickel, if I remember correctly, in the wrestle-offs the year before, right? Or at least that was what was reported. And so, you know, he was pretty small for the weight and then had some good wins at Keystone and kind of moved his way in. And Penn State doesn't wrestle a really – I mean, they wrestle a great Big Ten dual schedule, but – Really, the only tournament they go to is Keystone and uh, Scuffle, and Scuffle's going to be watered down even more this year because of those South Beach duels. So it's going to kind of be hard for some of these guys. The guys that they have that are ranked really high, it's actually going to be hard for them to kind of lose their ranking, but the guys that aren't, 
you know, until the Big Ten schedule pops up, it's going to be a little difficult for them to move up much until scuffle in Big Tens. Feels to me like 97, there's going to be a ton of movement throughout the year, though. And your guy's in there moving his way up. The, your pinner, Darmstead. Ben Darmstead. That's your guy. I mean, you got ben Darmstead this weekend. He had 35-second fall, a minute, 18 second, uh, minute and 18 seconds for his second round, or, or actually it's his quarterfinal match. Uh, made his way into the finals. Lost by major to Matty Ace, 14-6. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just – He's difficult to wrestle. He's so he's so tall uh, to begin with, and you know, unorthodox a little bit. And then you look at uh, certainly the the track record that Cornell has with big guys. There's a bright future ahead for this guy. And you know, and, and Maxine. And Cornell is ranked like historically low, right? So you're like, you know, you just your gut says, look, they're not going to end up where we got them ranked, right? So yeah. Like, they have to be ranked where they are. I don't think they'd even argue with a lot of where we have them ranked if we call them. But you're like, you just got a feeling like Darmstead, Dean, Yanni D are going to make big strides. You know, Womack might move his way up. You know, if Freddie Stroker comes back in January, Noah Boffman, you know, they've got guys there. You know, maybe even Arujao if he, you know, decided to not do Finger Lakes and, and wrestle. They got guys that can make noise, like really, really significant noise. So it just feels like they're not going to finish where we have them right now. Moving on to heavyweight, David, uh, pretty much everything status quo. Nothing really major aside from Derek White yeah. popping in at 15. That's probably the you know the big bullet point at heavyweight. That certainly helps Oklahoma State. You know, we, we'll we'll get in the team. Race here in a little bit. And Oklahoma State made a, a one-notch climb in the team standings. Uh, it's interesting how, you know, the Cowboys have been able to pull some rabbits out of their hat here lately at heavyweight a little bit with Austin Schaefer. You know, it's, you know, and now Derek White kind of looking like he's following that trend a little bit. Oklahoma State's been able to turn 97-pounders into productive heavyweights. So when it looks like, you know, you sit here and you wonder, like, all right, Oklahoma State's pretty good at nine weights. What are they going to do at heavyweight? And yet they keep finding a way to, to manufacture heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, you know, Eric Carrero and I talked about this last year because, you know, Schaefer did a great job, but, you know, he didn't wrestle great at nationals. He And, you know, for people who don't know, he was really injured. They just never talked about it, including him. You know, we can say that now. It's the truth. But, you know, bottom line is he didn't, you know, really score much points there, but – White was, like, always one takedown behind Weigel. And, you know, they, they, I think I told you this when I came back from, from the Chris Perry wedding. I'm like, that dude is a full-grown man. I mean, he's, you know, he's yoked. And I think that's kind of a lesson, right? Like, you've, you've spoken to how athletic the weight class is. And I think part of it is that a lot of these guys don't come in as ninth graders weighing – you know, 250 pounds or, you know, the obvious one is like a Tommy Rollins that started out really small and just grew like crazy. But these guys that wrestle normal weight classes where there's more movement, they tend to be really good heavyweights. And Derek White wrestled Nick Neville's tough last year in the duel in spot duty. He's like our guy Holschlag. He's like Keyshawn. Like he's like a lot of these guys that like once they know 
they're moving up to that weight, they're only going to get better throughout the year because they're going to get to lift their and eat their way in, you know? So, yeah. yeah. yeah it doesn't seem to wear them down like it does other guys when the season gets long. Right. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is heavyweight, a lot of times the match is lost. You know, like at 25, guys, get to legs, get to legs, get to legs. A lot of times heavyweights, like who took a dumb shot or put their head down and got snapped for an easy go behind. And guys that wrestled athletic dudes all along the way are less likely to make those mistakes. You know, so um, Eric told me a couple of years ago what a good upper weight coach Esposito was and that he was really instrumental in Marzen's development. So I'm sure he's having a big hand in what Derek White's doing right now. And, you know, to beat Wood and Haynes and those kind of guys, that's a, that's a great weekend and probably gives that kid a lot of confidence that he belongs at this level. And, you know, it's tough when you're on a team where everybody else is really, you know, good and ranked and you're like, you know, do I belong here? And, you know, confidence is gigantic at this level, really at any level. But, you know, it's really important to success in the sport, obviously. David, you said that Derek White got yoked. That's the first time that I've heard somebody use the word yoked since that USA Wrestling campaign a couple years back. Oh, makes me old, I guess. <laughs> Maybe you're bringing that back. You're gonna bring that back with my for, back, with my right? for, with my 14 Twitter followers. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. I'll do that. So, yeah, just you know, I, a lot of my phrases I steal from my dad. You know, just from being around him in wrestling rooms, and that's just that. I guarantee you, that's what he would have said. I stole that from the master. So, <laughs> well, looking at the team rankings, David, uh, let's take a run through those. Number one, Ohio State, 114 and a half points. Number two, Penn State, 112. Number three, Oklahoma State moves back in front of Michigan at 81 and a half. The Wolverines at number four with 81. Missouri at five with 56. Arizona State at six with 52. North Carolina State at seven with 45 and a half points. Iowa at number eight with 42 and a half. Number nine, Rutgers at 42. Number 10, Northern Iowa at 37 and a half. Things are getting pretty tight after that. Uh, number tight for 11th, Minnesota at 36 and a half. Virginia Tech at 36 and a half. And then Lehigh at 35 and a half. Anything else, David? Any other teams really make a move this week that uh, caught your attention? No, but I think some of the how close it is thing. So, like, if you say, look, if we ranked Suriana one slot higher, they're ahead of Iowa. If Pat Downey's in the rankings, they go from eight to maybe five, but at least six. Uh, if Anthony Valencia was eighth and not ninth, they'd be ahead of Missouri. If Michigan pulled Drew Matten, they would be third, not fourth. If Joe Smith came back and wrestled on the team, Oklahoma State would go back to third. Um, if McCutcheon was still in the lineup, Penn State would be one. And we're just talking about like one guy on yeah. each of these teams. You know, like, and, you know, honestly, I don't pay much attention to the team rankings because the work, there's so much work to be done in the individual ones. I'm just like, okay, I just make sure I did the math right and, you know, put the numbers next to them correctly. But they're really there's, – there's so many tipping points here that can happen. And I think, you know, last year we saw Oklahoma State really be ranked almost as high as they could be, right, in the beginning. And we said we feel like Penn State has a very good chance of catching them. Penn State's really ranked as high as they can be, obviously at four weights. And, you know, almost, you know, Hall's second. Clearly he could take first, but – 
you know, they have no margin for error in terms of their rankings there. But then they got four weights right now where I think we have them combined scoring like three points at 25, 33, 41, and 97. So while they don't have a lot of upside at the five really good weights, there's – or really Neville's. I mean, I don't think Neville's is, you know, maybe I'm – you know, I don't think I'm crazy to say he's probably not going to beat Kuhn or beat Kyle Snyder. So they kind of are, are have ceilings at six weights. But those other four, if Matt McCutcheon plays, no one would be shocked. If, you know, Nick Lee came in, I talked to a guy I really respect. He's like, that guy's really good. He can medal. If those two guys medal, Ohio State's got to do something else or else Penn State's ahead, and that doesn't even include bonus, and we all know how good Penn State is at bonus. Yeah, I think what you're looking at for Ohio State, where they really need some help probably, is, is Fletcher making a move and, and – you know, going from ninth, maybe up into that top five. Correct. If, if he could do that, that that gives them cushion. Uh, yeah. A little more juice there. Um, certainly, you know, if we mentioned how deep 65 is, you know, and Tishon making a little bit of a move there. Uh, Going to be hard to move up a whole lot higher on that ladder, but certainly looks like a guy that can score some bonus points for him. And that's that's going to be the equalizer, right? I mean, Penn, Ohio State's advantages advantage in this is is numbers one through ten. Penn State's is the bonus points. So and I can, can Ohio State neutralize that a little bit? Yeah, and Ohio State needs Keyshawn to place. Yep. I mean, there are, he's at eleven, so we talked about that. You know, like right now he'd be wrestling if these were the seeds and it ended up being on the backside this way, he'd be wrestling Troy Heilman in the do or die round. And, you know, that's that's kind of a toss-up match. You know, so if they, you know, punch through and get – they go from two to five-and-a-half there, and they go from two to five-and-a-half with Pletcher, or even higher, like you're saying, and they pick up another, you know, three-and-a-half, seven, you know, maybe ten points, now it gets interesting. Like you said, they can medal almost at every weight, Right. I mean, there's yeah. really not a weight where you go, there's no way they're going to medal. I mean, I think Campbell was probably – was him and Hayes and – probably him and Hayes were the guys you thought were least likely to. And Hayes just because he hasn't wrestled, not because he's not really good. You know, Campbell was, you know, not a threat last year at Pitt, even though he had a good regular season. But, yeah, what's crazy is they could have 10 All-Americans – they could realistically win it at three weights and not win the and not win the tournament. Yeah, I, I will say this though. I mean, you look back to 2001 when Minnesota had 10 All-Americans and no finalists and put 138 and a half points on the board. So you get 10 All-Americans and you start factoring in, you know, Kyle Snyder and the bonus points he's going to score. Uh, Tomasello, you know, Bo Jordan, Miles Martin. Colin Moore. Uh, Colin Moore, absolutely. Mickey Jordan. Uh, yeah, they're not going to – you know, there's certainly – you know, the odds of them having 10 All-Americans are better than the odds of them not having a finalist, right? So – I feel like they got three finalists, like pretty good yeah, chance. Yeah, yeah. And so I think Ohio State is sitting there at a – you know, I, I think they're going to be a 140-point team. I, I really do. I think that they're yeah. going to be right around 140 points or more. And you look at everything that, that uh, went right for Penn State last year. I mean, Vincenzo Joseph coming from behind in the quarters. And semi. A lot, 
yeah. and semis to pull out matches there. Uh, certainly, you know, the Mark Hall, Bo Jordan call on the edge. Um, you know, it was, it was going Penn State's way, right? And they had, they had a tremendous tournament. And they wound up what, right? At uh, 146 you know, one, and a half, I think, last year. Okay. So I, th- I think we're this is going to be fun to follow throughout the season. And it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, whether Kale will pull the trigger on Nick Lee if he, if he needs to. And if he does, uh, I, I see no reason that, that uh, he's going to hold anything back, right? I mean. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they think he's the difference, right, then they do it. I mean, you have to, just like Drew Matten, right? Like, I think Drew Matten comes out. Like, yeah. and we talked about that, but, like, third, you know, and if somehow those two teams fall, a chance at second is significant. And Michigan feels like, and Oklahoma State feel like they could score 100, 110 points. The scary thing is, if we're right, they're going to be 35 points out of first. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh... – you know, and then the other thing, too, I mean, we're, we're talking about stuff that's going on in week two, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that changes between now and week 20. And, you know, who could have predicted a year ago, you know, in on February 15th that Penn State wouldn't score any point, points in the postseason at 125 pounds, right? So Yeah, that's you know, you crazy. certainly You certainly don't want to see anybody get injured, but that's the reality in the sport that it's going to happen. Just a matter of who has good luck and can dodge that bullet and who – Comes up on the bad side of that. So, for sure. Anyway, that'll do it for the rankings portion of the podcast, David. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to Resolite's exclusive Digiprint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, U23 World Championships coming up next week from By Gosh Poland. I'll be there. You can watch live on track wrestling. We're starting to get our hands on the entry lists for those. I just actually got those in my email inbox here a little bit ago couple things that just scanning through it, really interesting. Heavyweight world champion at the senior level, Chino Petriashvili from Georgia is entered. Uh, Ukraine's. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him. If you remember that uh, match with Taha Akul of Turkey, the Olympic champion. Maybe the best heavyweight match I've ever seen, David. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you know, Gwiz and Snyder was really fun, but – you know, as a Nationals versus the world. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and these guys trading leg attack after leg attack. It was phenomenal. Yeah, these I guys agree. guys are a lot of fun. So, so Gino has entered. Ukraine's Andre Yatsenko, the 57-kilo bronze medalist. Uh, uh, Kajiev from France, 74-kilo guy that gave Jordan Burroughs some problems uh, over there. He is in. Um, and also in the women's freestyle, Japanese world champ at uh, 55 kilos, Haruna Akuna, on the entry list. Of course, the United States uh, bring in some hammers as well. Kamal Bay, junior world champion. Maya Nelson, junior world champion. Uh, Dayton Fix, junior world champion. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Dayton this week, David. Or next week, I should say, at 55. 
at uh, 57 kilos, going to get tested. Uh, but uh, certainly a guy's got a ton of ability. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Dayton does. Yeah, I am too. I'm really happy for you to go. And maybe I'm crazy, but I, I think he probably wins it. Like, I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm really myopic, but when guys just walk through like the world championships, you know, you're kind of like, okay, they can go up an age group and it's not, it's kind of like, you know, like we thought Soriano was going to be really good last year coming from high school to college. And he was, you know, like we talked about Gable Stevenson next year coming out and he was, and Fix feels like he's at that level. I mean, what will interest me, I think, is watching McKee, McKenna, Lewis, Imar. Those four of the guys was still – obviously Fix has eligibility, but it sure looks like he's going to redshirt. Um, how those guys are going to – you know, how long it will take them to get back into the swing of things from, you know, having to get up on bottom and not get to lock up gut wrenches and leg laces and things like that. So over the course of the next few days, take a look on trackwrestling.com. I'm going to have a breakdown of the top hammers that are going to be in the U23 World Championships. I think uh, pretty interesting, though, that a guy like Petrushvili is going to be in there, that you know, some of the other guys that I've mentioned, as I mentioned, David, uh, will have the U23 World Championships live on track wrestling next week from Bygosh, Poland, November 21st through the 26th. Yeah, and it's also cool to kind of see some new names, right? Like, you know, that's how guys break through, right? Like somebody takes a tournament off, somebody gets injured, and somebody else new becomes the star, you know, like, like Gilman this summer, right? You know, now we got hurt, but, you know, this we all know the story. He almost didn't get out of the last chance qualifier to being in the finals of the world. So, you know, maybe Richie Lewis, maybe Sammy Brooks, maybe Ty Walls, maybe Crails, you know, one of those yep. guys makes that huge leap, and Certainly, Sammy Brooks, the mullet alone, will be fun to watch. You know, and Richie Lewis is always a pretty good soundbite. So, you know, I mean, you, you're the one that taught me the storylines, and so the, I think maybe there'll be some new storylines that come out of there. Absolutely. And going into week, the, the third weekend of college wrestling season, David, lots of good stuff coming up this weekend. Right, yeah. What, uh, when you look at your list, the things that you'll have your eye on, what's at the top? Well, just chronologically, Friday, you and I and Cornell, uh, just, you know, like you and I being in our top ten, and like we said, Cornell being better than we think, you know, better than they're ranked. Wyoming, Nebraska, just no other reason to watch 141. Minnesota, South Dakota State, because South Dakota State fills the joint, and that feels like it's kind of a recruiting battle there, you know, where SDSU is trying to get into Minnesota and obviously vice versa. And, um, you know, I think Minnesota's got a better dual meet team, but SDSU's got some hammers where they could, you know, obviously a guy like Gross can get bonus. And then Sunday there's two, I think, marquee duels, Michigan at Lehigh and then Minnesota at Oklahoma State. And then Saturday I will be – give a shout-out to my buddy buddy Jimmy Rollins, the head coach at Lindenwood. I'll be at the Lindenwood Open here in St. Louis, and it'll be Iowa State, Mizzou, Northern Illinois – Oklahoma, SIUE, and West Virginia are all bringing their full teams. And, you know, there'll be a lot of other schools that bring, you know, red shirts and stuff like that. So that's supposed to be a really good tournament. Jimmy told me he already had, like, 450 entries between the freshman, sophomore, and the open divisions. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's the first week of high school wrestling, David. And one of the video interviews that we posted early in the week was yours with Broken Arrow coach Sean Jones. I'm going to have interviews with uh, Southeast Polk 
coach Jason Christensen and assistant coach Jessman Smith, two of the programs that are attracting incredible numbers. And you, you talked to Sean Jones. They had, what, 150 guys between their junior high and high school program? Yeah, he's a super cool guy. I actually wrestled his, his brother 100 years ago. Um, but, yeah, they, that, that family is, is kind of legendary there at Broken Arrow. And uh, he does a really good job of scheduling. Like just, you know, there's a lot of events, kind of next man up mentality. Everybody feels important. I should never say everybody feels important. Everybody is important. It's a better way to say it. You know, where everybody's treated it with, with respect and, you know, you're a valuable member of the team. And uh, anybody who's coached in college knows that attrition is a part of it, that, you know, guys are all used to thinking they're the best, and if they can't start, they quit. And, I, you know, that probably happens in high school if you're a Little League star. So they're doing a great job of doing keeping the numbers high there. They do have a lot of enrollment, so that helps. But he's, he's definitely doing some big things. And I actually texted him the other day, told him, you know, that he was up on the site and, you know, they're they're gonna they go to big tournaments like they're gonna go to Ironman this year and stuff like that. So they're doing big things. Same with Southeast Polk, just outside Des Moines. They were the host high school for the Grandview Open on Saturday. I had a chance to get down there and get inside their practice room. And uh, Jason Christensen, Jessman Smith, Jeff Evans, their staff down there do a tremendous job each year. They got 114 kids out, David for their high school program. <laughs> That's eight deep on average. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we drove by there at Agony and Ames, and I, I remember telling the guys, I'm like, they got like 100 dudes on that team. They're like, get out of here, coach. I'm like, no, for real. Like, you know. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, they're doing big things there. It's, it's impressive, right? Yeah, and you sit here, and, and the reason that we're doing this, the reason that, you know, I had you do that interview. The reason I did that interview is we're looking at the sport from a big picture standpoint right now and participation numbers for high school boys in wrestling, those numbers are trending in the wrong direction, but I think there's lessons to be learned in this, right? I mean, you, you know, certainly not all programs are trending in the wrong direction. Southeast Polk, as I mentioned, this is the first time that they've cracked a hundred. They've usually been in the last several years, they've been right around 80 to 90 and they've, they've had a pretty strong retention rate, but now they've cranked it up to, to 114. So there are programs out there that are doing it right, and it's kind of a, a matter, in my opinion, of what lessons can the average coach, what, what lessons can the coach of the average program, the run-of-the-mill program, what can they learn from that that can keep them, uh, that can boost their numbers and, and boost their retention rate for programs? I think it's phenomenal, though, that, uh, you know, the one common thread from listening to Jason Christensen and Jessman Smith talk, and, and hearing your interview with Sean Jones, it's coaching every guy in your program. It's making every guy feel important. It's finding competition, you know, taking the second, third, fourth team out and competing in varsity tournaments, and and finding ways to make those guys feel important and, and have a good experience. I thought one of your, your questions that you asked Sean Jones that I, that I thought was a, a great question was, or the point that you made was that, now, these kids might not become college wrestlers. They might not become uh, high school coaches. They might not stay in wrestling long term, but, but they may be, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, CEOs, things like that that, uh, you know, have their kids in wrestling or they become donors for wrestling. I thought that was a tremendous point, David. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, and it, but it's true, right? Like, it's, I mean, you know, these guys, you know, some of the biggest donors we've had, like at Merrimack, one of the guys that give, gave the most to our program was a guy that really wasn't very good. You know, he, he barely qualified. He went 0-2. You know, but th- so many people get so much out of wrestling. And, you know, w- we focus, and deservedly so, on the best guys and the best programs. But wrestling is such a great lesson teacher for so many things in life about perseverance and and hard work and dedication and commitment and no shortcuts and integrity and like you know you were saying we we're talking about all those world champions and you said a great line like maybe the lesson is to be a good person you're talking about you know like helen and jordan and snyder and those people and i think a lot of people learn that from wrestling even if they didn't get their hand raised you know at the end of the season and i think sean jones and I think your guys in Iowa and probably a lot of coaches, even if they don't have 100 guys or 100 kids, I think they they see the sport as a metaphor for that. And I know my dad certainly saw the sport as a metaphor for that and, and always reminded me of that when I got caught up too much in winning and losing. And, you know, the look, this is this is a vehicle to help make people better, help make kids better people. And so those guys really exemplify it. There's a, a thousand great coaches across the country like you know like the guys in Iowa and Sean Jones and the Ron Maricatani's of the world that that value the really important things first and and that's why we all really love wrestling when we get down to it so if you're listening out there and there's a great high school story uh program that's doing it right that's got high numbers you know doing stuff that's unique you know let us know give us a heads up shoot me a, a message on twitter at andy underscore hamilton or email me at Andy.Hamilton at sportsengine.com. Let me know about it. Reach out to David, whatever it is. We'll find a way to get in touch with us. Let us know. We'd love to tell their story. So, David, anything else you want to hit this week? No, let's do our picks next week, right, for the yep. year-end contest. Yep. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, have a little promo of that uh, up on track wrestling at some point here in the next few days, give you a, an idea of what the rules are, what's on the line, what to do, and how to submit your team. But uh, Dave and I will be unveiling our picks here on, on next week's show. I'm hoping be, you, you're sleep-deprived and from Poland. I might be. And, and I might be able to get you and win my chicken wings when we get to Cleveland. So There you go. There you go. Well, thank you, David, as always. It's always fun, man. I really appreciate thank, it. Thank each of you for tuning in to this week's edition of Weighing In. I'm Andy Hamilton for David Mirkatani. We'll be back next week.